Not that I was scared to leave and try something. It's just that, wow, I really kind of had something I really liked. And now, but also this ice cream thing, uh, I, know, I know I've got to try it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesomeings Podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Everyone, welcome back to the Awesome Inc. Podcast. I am pretty stoked. I'm sitting down with someone I really admire, Kurt Jones, the founder of Dippin' Dots and 40 Below Joe. Kurt, you don't know this, but I started working at Awesome Inc. about a week before LED 2018. So I was literally thrown into the uh, the deep end of the swimming pool. And so I have very fond memories of that event. You talking at Base 110 here in Lexington and then sharing bits of your story. So for you guys listening, Kurt actually was one of our first podcast episodes from March 5th, 2019. He did a live talk at Lexington Entrepreneurship Day. We're going to encourage you guys to check that. And then before I pass it off to my my partner in crime, Liz, uh, I want to say that Kurt has a great podcast on how he built this. So this episode is not going to be diving into all of his story, but more so focusing on his innovation from Alltech, Dippin' Dots, and so on. So Liz, I'm just going to pass it on to you. You do your thing. Appreciate it, Garrett. Uh, Hey, guys, I'm Liz. I'm back. Um, As you guys know, you know the drill. Venture Labs is our newest program out of Awesome Inc. We're helping corporate companies stay innovative. So we're taking what we've learned from all these entrepreneurs and applying it to the corporate space. We've gotten a ton of great feedback lately. I read to Garrett an email yesterday um, from Jake Miller from Toggle Health. I cried. If you haven't listened to his podcast episode, watch it. Um, Just a lot of good feedback on this topic of corporate innovation. And today we sort of have a dream guest of ours. So we're excited to introduce you to him on that quick cliffhanger. Quick shameless plug again, subscribe to our newsletter, awesomeinc.org forward slash Venture Labs to stay up to date with all of our content. Okay, enough with all of the plugs. The big reveal today, we've got Kurt Jones, founder of Dippin' Dots and 40 Below Joe. You are maybe the greatest example of sort of this entrepreneurship-inspired corporate innovation that we've had on the show. We're both shaking. We're very excited. Well, you got me um, shaking now, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to say anything. Was that the biggest buildup you've ever uh, had? Yes. <laughs> um, so we want to get into a couple of questions, especially about your history at the beginning and you as an employee at a corporate company, et cetera. But first, Garrett's got a really important question. All right, Kurt. This one is for all the marbles. Subjectively, in your opinion, what's the best flavor of Dippin' Dots you've you've created? Or 40 Below Joe. Or 40 Below Joe, yeah. If that makes it too broad. Yeah, I've always answered the question on Dippin' Dots as vanilla for me. I've always been a vanilla ice cream okay. fiend. And of course, that then includes all the flavors that have, you know, the like cookies and cream and cookie dough and things that have... They're mixed with vanilla. Yeah. So essentially the founding block or I guess the building block. Yeah. He's an ice cream purist. I like it. I love it. (laughs) Um, So most of what we're trying to do at Venture Labs is get people to think like entrepreneurs at their own company and use the assets and the resources that are at their fingertips to maybe come up with incremental improvements or big breakout ideas. Um, you were working for Alltech in 1986, 87, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, right. um, after getting a degree from Southern Illinois University, you had this idea, not that liquid nitrogen, am I saying that correctly? That, that was not your idea. You did not invent it, but no. the application was, I would love to kind of hear your experience going back to that time. Were you looking to come up with a new idea to be an entrepreneur? Did you stumble upon it? 
get it, get us into that story a little bit. Sure. Um, well, I wasn't looking specifically at that time uh, because I'd actually just gotten a pretty good job, you know, the year before. And but all my life had been somewhat of an entrepreneurial, um, you know, everything I did was somewhat related to entrepreneur, uh, the entrepreneur business because, or being an entrepreneur because I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And then I had, you know, all these, these little small businesses to try to make a little extra money. They were usually farm related. Um, so I think when I went to work at Alltech, though, uh, I still had that entrepreneurial spirit from all the things I had done over the years. And like working on my master's degree, I actually worked, and a lot of people don't know this, I worked in a minimum security prison the last couple of years I was doing my master's degree because I had all my classwork done, but I hadn't done all the research yet to, to, you know, work on my thesis. And what they had in the prison that nobody was using was a laboratory because everybody was afraid to use it because they were afraid if somebody stole the chemicals and somebody got in trouble or whatever. But I did all the inventories and basically worked for a couple of years there. But to do some of my final experiments, I actually needed some equipment that I didn't have. And I had met Dr. Lyons, uh, who founded Alltech, at first at an ethanol school. But, you know, he was doing um, fuel ethanol workshops at the time. And I noticed he had some pieces of equipment in his lab, and I kind of worked out a deal where I went down and used his equipment. On, I had a week of vacation one time and went down. So I think I was always dabbling with something entrepreneurial because at the time, I didn't mean to get off the subject too far, but I wanted to be the first person to make lysine in the United States. It was all being made in Japan at the time. And I had actually, over the last two to three years, had developed an organism that would produce almost 75% of what the Japanese could do. And then the year that I got my degree, they actually announced a $25 million plant coming to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So, you know, I was much more open to just going to get a job at that time. And that's when I, you know, when, when I'd met Dr. Lyons and used his lab for a little bit, you know, it was kind of a natural fit because they were getting ready to get into the animal feed business. So hmm. I digressed a little bit, but wasn't looking for anything necessarily. I was happy to work at Alltech at that time. Was there, and and I'm not, maybe this wasn't the case, but I'm curious, what was the culture like at Alltech? Was there, I had a, I know it has been important to the Lions family from day one to have that founder's mentality. Mark talks about that a lot now. What did you experience in that? Were you encouraged to think through new ideas, test new ideas? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dr. Lyons was so, um, it, it was such a treat to work for him. Uh, he was hard driving and full of energy and all that. But, he, but the biggest thing for me is that I never really like to make mistakes, you know, and you, you're, you know, you're, you're making mistakes all the time. But, but he, I remember him telling me one time, he said, you know, I'd rather you do 10, t- 10 things and do eight of them right than to do three things and get them all right. Hmm. You know, cause you're going to get, you know, five more things done, you know, and, and he made it real comfortable to be able to really, I think, be entrepreneurial when you knew that, hey, I make a mistake, I'm not going to get fired or anything. And I, and I think that's real important. And I, and I think that's always been my mentality as well. So I really liked having that environment. Absolutely. Did How did you make that decision? It sounds like the the science that you were working with, obviously you applied it to ice cream. Was there ever a moment where you considered doing that under the Alltech brand or how did you decide to quit that and launch it on your own? No, very much so because um, when I first had the idea, I was actually working with Alltech products. We were actually growing lactobacillus bacteria to put back into animal feed. And I was in charge of growing it and um, 
and also freezing it and freeze drying it. But we were doing it in a different way. Um, I got there in the very beginning. We were actually freezing them in pie plates that, that small. And then we went to bigger and bigger uh, pieces of equipment. And we weren't using liquid nitrogen. We were using acetone with dry ice in it to get a very cold um, liquid so that we could put trays in there that you could almost get an immediate freeze. Well, anyway, I started playing with liquid nitrogen because I wanted to do it even even faster. And um, But once I developed that process and it worked really well, and, and we actually got higher bacterial counts by doing it that way because we were getting a quicker freeze, smaller ice crystals, uh, you know, less cells getting damaged. It wasn't until about a month later when I was making homemade ice cream that I thought, wait a minute, why am I not making ice cream this way? Or I got to thinking about it. And anyway, the next time I made ice cream, I had uh, got to thinking about it and then uh, decided that I would eventually try some. So I have my own, Garrett and I have done a lot of like online stalking of all of your interviews to prep for this. So I have my own potential question or answer to this question, but what personal traits would you say you might have that helped you think outside the box? Oh, well, I've always had kind of an inquisitive mind and growing up on a farm, you, you also had just enough things laying around that if you wanted to try something and build it, you could and experiment with it. And, and so I've always kind of had that background, um, but just a curious mind and, and, uh, a lot of times I listen a lot in conversations and when I, when I identify um, like someone's got a problem or they're trying to solve something, I always think about, I wonder if they're thinking about this or if I wonder if there's a different way to think about it. So I've always liked to think of things from maybe a different angle. And I, and I believe there's a solution to every problem. It, it may take you five minutes to solve it or it may take you, you know, five years or 50 years, but there's usually a solution and I'm one of those people that can't really give up if I'm really interested in it until I find that solution. So I think one thing that struck me and Garrett, I don't know if you agree, um, in listening to a lot of interviews that you've done, no matter the question that's asked, somehow you tend to bring it back around to something about science. And I think what I love about that is it shows me so much that you as an entrepreneur, yes, you built an ice cream company, but to me, you are a very passionate person about what you originally studied that like you're almost like inspiringly obsessed with like the science behind something or how it works and why it works and I think sometimes people lose that and I almost wonder if it seems to me that that's one of the traits that help you get over so many humps along the way was you you cared a lot about the process of what you were doing and I think we talk a lot about if it doesn't if it doesn't keep you up at night or you don't think about it in the shower then you probably shouldn't be building a business around right. it. Yeah. And I have a feeling ice cream keeps you up in the shower. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, one I just those... said keeps you up in the shower. <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. We, we can <laughs> move on. <laughs> but no, I'm, yeah, I've always been one of those people that, that, uh, can't sleep at night. Cause I'm usually thinking about something or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I can tell that I've been dreaming about it or, and, and I've actually solved a couple of problems in my sleep. I'm, or, that's really kind of interesting. It's a whole other story, but, but yeah, I think when your mind won't shut off, you kind of are, and the thing about going to sleep, though, I think your mind relaxes enough to where you'll actually let certain thoughts in that you wouldn't normally let in because you have something protecting silly thoughts. But a lot of times it's that silly thought that actually you need to help you solve something. What was it like in the beginning? And I don't necessarily need you to go like the year by year, the difficulties, but I do think people appreciate hearing sort of the good, bad and ugly as you were leaving what I think a lot of postgraduate students would feel like is a safe job and launching your own business. 
I assume that was terrifying, but I mean, what were some of those first years like? Maybe what would you say to people who are at a company right now and considering doing something on their own? Well, for me, it was probably easier because I never really had anything super stable anyway. I mean, I had a, I had another job before that, and but I was used to the kind of the ups and downs of, you know, like I said, farming and, and things like that. So, but it really was a good job. I really enjoyed working there. I really um, liked all the opportunities, and it, and it was obviously a company that you could tell was going to grow and grow and grow. So that was the, probably the hardest part is not that I was scared to leave and try something. It's just that, wow. I really kind of had something I really liked and now, but also this ice cream thing, uh, I, know, I know I've got to try it, you know. But I think uh, for me, I've told people before, it was a perfect time for me to probably do that because I didn't have a lot saved up or built up yet. And I think that's one nice thing about being young, you know, it's like you don't have a lot to uh, lose sometimes when you're going to try something. It's like, oh, well, I'll get up, dust myself off and try again. And that's kind of where I was in my life at that time. I had a, had a young daughter and was married and all that. But at the same time, we had been used to not having, you know, tons of money laying around. So we thought, well, if we can get this up and going, um, let's give it a shot. And of course, it wasn't that easy. You know, it took several years to really get it to where it generated its own profits. But uh, that's a whole other story, too. Sure. Uh It reminds me a little bit of what Lee Todd told our co-founders, and I'm looking at Garrett because I know he knows what this is. Um, Brian, our founder, often tells this story. They went to Lee Todd and asked him for advice on whether they should launch the software company or not. And he was like, listen, try it. See if it works. Worst case, you get a normal job in a year or two from now. Best case, it becomes something that That changes your life. That was kind of my thinking, too. I thought, you know, I, I, I just got this job. If it doesn't work out, I can probably get another job. I'm still at that, at that stage of my life. so Yeah, absolutely. Um, any questions before I move on to yeah. a little bit later on? I got, I got a couple of things. Kurt, like Liz said, we, we want to be strategic with this. And in doing, in doing so, we went back to your, your founder series video almost a decade ago. And you shared a couple... No, which, which we're going to link in the show notes yeah, because the videography is truly incredible from 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, the interview you gave is amazing. Yeah, the video your is Your interview was great. Video <laughs> quality is subpar. So we, we know that you've had an immense success and most people do not have a product that grows to either a national or global level. So first off, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. This is still pretty surreal. One thing that you talked about is you approached supplying McDonald's like a test market with getting dip, dip and dots and, you know, one, two stores, eight, then, you know, it's almost growing exponentially. And that seemed like a very wise, uh, a wise approach. However, you talked about how they kept having changes in the CEO position and you learn not to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, sounds a lot like Dave Ramsey. Uh, just saying that. So what came next for you in growing your company from some of those unfortunate decisions that were outside of Dip and Dots. So again, like with McDonald's or maybe some of the other top 50 brands that you were in competition with. Yeah, well, I think at some point early on in the business, probably a couple of years into the business, maybe three years into the business, we found that um, getting our product into the theme parks really made a lot of sense from a lot of different directions. Number one, it's a great way to build a brand uh, and especially a fun product because, you know, what better place to see a fun product than at a theme park. But the other thing that was nice about it for a very, very small company, that was a nice volume of product. So we could do larger and larger volumes. We could build our plant a little bit bigger. We could get bigger trucks. We could, and there's a lot of theme parks out there. So we, if we went to, uh, if we got to work in one theme park and then got into four and then got into 11, you know, we could kind of have this steady growth and 
add an employee here and there and do, you know, kind of have a kind of a structured growth, not structured, but at least manageable growth. The fact that we kind of had that as our base business really allowed us to go after things like McDonald's and other things. And so if something didn't quite work out uh, long term, you know, we always had that base business to go back to. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we started doing uh, more and more with what we had. We had dealers in the beginning. We had eventually those converted to franchises. And, and so the business kind of continued to go off in different directions. But I think it was at some point when the brand became established, it's really just kind of trying to spread that way of doing business out so that you're not, all your eggs aren't in one basket with, you know, our, our next level at McDonald's would have been going from 800 stores to 3,200. Okay. Wow. And uh, we almost got over that hump before all the other things happened. But at the same time, had we been at that level and it happened, it would have been a lot harder to get over, you know, than, than losing the 800 locations. Very, very cool. Sure. And so I, I mentioned this a moment ago that you were in, I guess, the running the, that top 50 brand list alongside companies like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, yes, Starbucks, and some others, which, again, such such a cool achievement. And this is where the next part of our conversation will, will head towards. But this fueled your team to start thinking more more innovatively and with more innovative ways to get your product to new places. Something, again, you mentioned in that video about a decade ago. What were a few of the creative ways Dippin' Dots appeared in new customer settings or consumer settings maybe might be the better way to phrase that? We had the theme parks. We had the, um, uh, you know, the, the dealers and the franchisees that were putting products into the malls and fairs and festivals and things like that. I think it was a few years later that we actually started thinking about getting it getting more of a distribution business going. And by that, um, it's the small freezer that you see that would have the pre-packs. I mean, it could be in a convenience store, a grocery store, that kind of thing. That came much later in the business because, um, well, for several reasons. But but the nice thing about that was is when you started doing that, it was an immediate success because the brand was so well-known. And so I think... I don't know how long ago it's been, probably eight or nine years ago when we started really kind of getting into that. It uh, uh, it, it just became a, a nice way to expand our business with uh, without a, not a lot of risk because, you know, you put in a $500 freezer and you, you know, if it doesn't work, you move it somewhere else, but it, sure. it typically works. So that was one of the places that we, we kind of went a different direction than what we were in our first, you know, several years in business. I have two quick thoughts on this first episode and then we'll wrap up. One, what I love a lot that I think I want to call it, especially for our listeners, is um, the executive sponsorship. Executive sponsorship is something we talk about a lot that is important for corporate innovation. Like it has to come from the top. And it sounds like Dr. Lyons gave that to you. Um, well, as a teaser, what we'll talk about in the next episode is I want to hear more about how you gave that to your employees for creativity. Um, but I just, I like that sort of theme that is in your story. Um, and my second completely unrelated point is I just had a memory. I remember, so I don't, you grew up in Louisville. In the I Southeast, I feel like every sixth grade class has to go to the space camp for sixth grade, like every one of them. And I have a distinct memory. That was the very first time I had Dippin' Dots. I don't remember what year that would be, but it was the, what was the, what was the slogan? Uh, ice cream of the future, yeah. right? Yeah. And we called Sixth it Space grade. Dots, actually. In the, space, there in you the go. Space, what space center did you go to? It was in... Alabama? Alabama. Yeah. 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 Tuscaloosa? Is that right? Huntsville. Huntsville. That's right. Huntsville, sixth grade, to all my elementary friends. I know what year that is, but I'm not going to say it. Mine was at Six Flags in Louisville. Uh, first time, I think it was six or seven. I love it. Well, we'll pause right there. Um, and guys, when we come back in the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about corporate innovation at Dippa Dots and 40 Below Joe. 
Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.